Welcome to Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio with author, speaker, and your host, Pat Rulo, serving you a generous helping of everything you need to know to help you and your loved ones stay safe during any doctor or hospital visit. The program is not intended to replace medical advice from a licensed professional, but rather to encourage you to become a well-informed participant in your health and well-being. And now, your host, Pat Rulo. Hello and welcome. I'm Pat Rulo, the voice for patient safety, where each week we delve into little-known healthcare and hospital hazards, as well as other fringe topics that affect your health and well-being. I'm so happy you've taken the time to join me, and today I have lots to share with you. So, let's dig right in, shall we? If you've been listening to my show lately, you know that I am working on a charity patient safety anthology where I am interviewing 30-some patient safety, patient experience, patients, patient advocates from around the country to create the book titled Highway to Heart, Humor, and Honesty in Healthcare. And last week I was talking to a prospective contributor to a chapter in the book and we started talking about the patient experience And this gentleman was talking about good people who are not doing the right thing. And at what point does this, and I call it normalization of deviance, when people keep consistently doing the wrong thing, at what point does this kind of behavior or this inaction to do the proper thing, when does this become immoral? When does it become unethical? And So our conversation led me to tell him about the time that I was attacked by a primary care physician. And as I told him this story, you could just hear him aghast at the other end of the phone. So it just tickled my brain again to the point that I thought, I think I will revisit that again and share it with you. Now this happened many years ago when my mom was having some interesting symptoms that obviously needed medical attention. So I called her cardiologist, her heart doctor, and I shared the symptoms with the nurse. And she said, okay, we can see her in a month. In a month? Are you kidding? She calmly replied, no, the doctor is booked. Well, now I can understand that. But the need to see your cardiologist, STAT, is not something that can wait a month. I mean, a heart problem is not like a bruise or a rash or a headache that can wait. Hang on, Mom. Can you ignore those symptoms for another 30 days? The nurse's response, go see your primary care physician. He's your quarterback. Ugh, and I really get tired of always being urged to see my primary care physician because the outcome is always the same. He refers us to a specialist. So we constantly waste time and money visiting a doctor who has no solution other than to move us up the chain to another doctor whom I already knew we needed to see in the first place. So now we have to get an appointment to see a doctor who will refer us to the cardiologist. Come on, does that even make any sense? So my mom made the appointment with Dr. Primary. And by the way, she had not seen him in about two or three years. My mom had used this same practice, the same assistant, and the same doctor for about 40 years. He was also my primary care guy, whom I very seldom saw, but let me share this. 
He's the same one who prescribed the antibiotic Cipro for me three years prior to that when I was having some odd throat symptoms. He said I had an infection. How we knew that, I don't know. We never did any kind of a culture, and he sent me off with this antibiotic that ultimately caused my ear to ring. And no, he never mentioned that side effect, but if you look it up, that is clearly one of the prominent warnings. Cipro is ototoxic. Look that one up. Well, then he sent me to see a specialist, an ENT, an ear, nose, and throat guy, who did the usual prescribed Nexium, you know, the little purple pill for acid reflux. Well, my gut told me that I should do some more investigative work before beginning this treatment, which I did. And ultimately, I solved my own problem with apple cider vinegar and some diet changes. But that's another story. However, my ear has not stopped ringing since that day, since that day of Cipro, so my feelings toward the ability of this doctor primary were not so trusting. Nevertheless, he'd known my mom and her unique and twisted health history, so I went along to be the advocate, another set of eyes and ears. And notice I did not say a mouth, because I very specifically made it a point not to speak during any of her appointments, unless of course I had to or she asked me to. So my mom and I were directed into the exam room by the bustling Dr. Primary, who didn't even take a moment to say hello. Haven't seen you in years. You look good. Blah, blah, blah. Sit, he ordered. Then, in a sharp tone, what can I do for you today? Oh my gosh, how I hate that comment. What can I do for you? Is it just me or does that smack of arrogance, of a one-sided I'm important? Well, she proceeded to tell him that she was feeling short of breath, coughing, and needed oxygen during the day now instead of just at night. He interrupted her, swiveled his chair in my direction, looked at me in the face, and demanded, Why is she on oxygen? I felt like I was back in school. Was this a trick question? Uh, she's been on oxygen for the past six years at night. He snapped. You're not answering my question. Why is she on oxygen? I replied in a usual tone, well, because her oxygen saturation levels are low while sleeping. We had it tested and oxygen was prescribed. He raised his voice. I understand how that works, but why is she on oxygen? Seriously? I looked at my mom for some help here. He began to grow in posture. He turned red and yelled at me. You're not answering my question. Has anyone mentioned COPD to you? I stammered, uh, uh, no. Well, then why is she on oxygen? He demanded as he just about lunged at me from his seat. I physically backed up in my chair, sensing that he was going to grab me. I put my hands out and I said, whoa. Every instinct in my body told me to get up, gather my mom, and get the heck out of there. But then what? Where would we go? Who would we see? Who would refer us to the cardiologist? So I dropped my eyes. I no longer made eye contact with him and plastered my face with my best look of irritation. Well, he did his cursory blood pressure exam, mumbled a few words, and sent mom off to the blood lab and downstairs for a chest x-ray. 
All the while, I was livid, asking my mom, what the heck was that all about? What just happened? Well, as usual, my mom tried to make nice and suggested he felt threatened. What? I very specifically had not said a word, not one word, prior to his attacking me. Well, we got the blood work done, as well as the x-ray, and we went back upstairs to his office. He ushered us in and said, let me refer you to a specialist. Duh, no kidding. And then get this, he said, let's continue this conversation at the front desk. And once there, he handed us off to the assistant who made the appointment with the specialist cardiologist, and we never saw him again. He did not explain the results of the chest x-ray or why he was referring us to the specialist. He did not ask if we had any questions. He did not say goodbye. Now, I spend my days talking about the patient experience, trying to educate and inform patients and healthcare workers. Wow, if this is what's going on in the real world, then I need to do more than talk. This man needs to be throttled. Actually, he needs to be reported. He needs to retire. The assistant handed us a piece of paper, a summary of the appointment. <laughs> and I just have to shake my head. On the report, it stated that in addition to talking about mom's symptoms, they discussed how to manage her diabetes. Ah, uh, hello. My mom doesn't have diabetes and never, ever, ever was the word diabetes even uttered during that appointment. Well, guess what? Now he can bill for a diabetes discussion. Plain and simple, that's what that is all about. Well, I hashed this entire encounter around in my mind all night, and when I got up the next morning, I told Bob, I'm going to call this character today to discuss the way he treated me. He simply cannot get away with that kind of aggressive behavior. What if he acts like that to others? As if psychic, the phone rang. It was Dr. Primary, thinking he was going to get my mom to share the blood test results with her. But ha-ha, wrong phone number, he got me instead. He hurriedly bustled through the results, assuming I wouldn't know what he was saying. But instead, I asked specific questions about certain results that clearly annoyed him. As he tried to get off the phone, I said, You know, I'm happy you called today because I have a question. Why did you attack me yesterday? He responded, I thought you felt that way. Why did you feel that I attacked you? Uh, because you did. Well, I'm sorry you felt that way, he said quite flatly. Well, it was out of line and quite uncalled for, I told him. His reply? I'm glad we had this conversation. <laughs> my reply? Oh, and by the way, my mom does not have diabetes like your office visit summary suggests. And either he had the nerve or the stupidity to respond she doesn't have diabetes because we are managing it. Oh, my heavens, and he's supposed to be the quarterback? He doesn't know that for the past six years my mom's been on oxygen, and he doesn't know that she doesn't have diabetes? What a waste of time. My fear here is 
that there are more of these doctor primary types out there terrorizing patients, patients who may become so intimidated that they question nothing and in doing so become sicker than they need to be. If my experience is indicative of what's going on out there, then we are in real trouble. Then the patient experience conversations are merely that. Conversations never put into action. Quite frankly, we shouldn't even have to talk about, have seminars, training, symposiums, and conferences on the patient experience. How about if doctors, who are, after all, just people who put their pants on one leg at a time like the rest of us schleps, just treated people with basic human kindness, say hello in a sincere manner, ask honest questions, seek honest answers, smile, pause, breathe, don't take yourself so seriously, touch, smile, say goodbye. It's really so simple. So when I say I was attacked by a primary care physician, that he was after me, that's what happened. But instead of my running away from him because he scared me, I'm running away because no one should be treated like that by another human being, let alone your doctor of 40 years. I'm choosing to run and will never go back to see him. He is no longer my doctor. He doesn't deserve to have me as a patient. Do you have a scary doctor? Run, don't walk, and find someone who will treat you like you deserve to be treated with respect and dignity. The title of this radio program is called Speak Up and Stay Alive for a Reason. Speak up and don't let anyone call you their patient who doesn't deserve it. Sometimes you have to speak up and stay alive. Listen to Pat Rulo and Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio. Stay safe from little-known healthcare and hospital hazards. To learn more, go to speakupandstayalive.com. That's speakupandstayalive.com. Well, now I'm going to flip my perspective. I always talk about healthcare hazards and dangerous, scary encounters when it comes to personal doctor and hospital visits, but now I'm going to share an excellent patient experience with you, one that if other providers are tuning in, they should pay attention. I call this one dirty genes and a positive patient experience. Now, assuming nothing major kills you during a healthcare or hospital encounter, it's usually the seemingly little things that add up to create the entire patient experience. So here's what I encountered a while back. I made a doctor's appointment with a new physician and a completely different hospital system because, as I told you a few moments ago, about the physician who nearly attacked me, causing me, forcing me to navigate away from crazy, I found myself with a new doctor in a different facility. Upon entering the front door of this local medical center, I was greeted by a grand piano, and I thought, oh no, another attempt to be grand through physical amenities. It looked a bit silly, sitting in the middle of the room as if it didn't belong, and I wondered when and if anyone ever played it, but nevertheless, I wandered past and to the reception desk. Two nicely dressed women said hello, and the one asked for my name and insurance card. She handed me the obligatory privacy and billing form to sign and gave me a temporary password to my patient portal 
where I could go online after the appointment to review any test results and the summary of the upcoming appointment. In less than three minutes, she sent me around the corner to the spacious and open waiting room. What immediately struck me, and I must say impressed the heck out of me, were two things. First, the seating was set up in such a way that you didn't have to sit in a square facing everyone else. Three or four chairs were offset at angles, so no one had to directly look at anyone else. A winner idea, if you ask me. And secondly, hallelujah, the chairs were made of pleather, fake leather or naugahyde, something that can be cleaned with a disinfecting wipe at the beginning or end of each day. Often in doctors' offices, I simply refuse to sit. Typically, the fabric or the microfiber chairs are filthy and stained with absolutely no way to clean or disinfect them. I mean, think of people's genes, especially. Most people wait weeks or even months, maybe years, before they wash their genes. No, it's not a scientific study, but gene washing does have a tendency to change the shape and the, change the colors and, uh, I admit, I even did an internet search about how often to wash your jeans. And here's a piece of advice that corroborates my dirty jean theory. Chip Berg, the CEO of Levi Strauss & Company, says the answer is never. Well, you may ask, and what about that daily dirt? Berg suggests spot cleaning or even putting your jeans in the freezer once a month to kill off bacteria. <laughs> Okay, I'm not sure if I'm going to freeze my jeans next to my ice cubes, but dozens of other websites suggest the same thing. Do not wash your jeans. So back to fabric waiting room chairs. We know that bacteria can live on fabric for months. Now coupled with jeans that are never washed and chairs that are never cleaned and voila, nasty chairs capable of cross-contamination. Ugh. That's why I was elated to enter this waiting room to see cleanable chairs. You see, not much can make me happy. Next, there was a large board on the wall with the doctor's names and a photo of each of them. How cool! Now I know what my new guy looks like. And next to their picture was the next appointment time status, and all of them said, on time. How thoughtful is that? At one glance, I knew what my doctor looked like, and I was reassured that my appointment would be timely. And it was. Right on the dot of 10.20, the nurse opened the door. Pat Rulo. She recorded my weight and temperature and walked with me into the exam room, where she took my blood pressure and told me the numbers. And that doesn't always happen. Many times they record it and move on without sharing or explaining the numbers. And that's not right. Once I even had a nurse who didn't have a computer or paper to write down my blood pressure numbers, and she wrote it on her hand, which had several other people's numbers scrawled there as well. <laughs> Talk about a patient safety concern. And then this gal asked me a question that I've never been asked before, and I cannot really do it justice because I don't remember her exact words, but it was something like, do you have any concerns about understanding or comprehending today's visit? To which I answered, no, I'm quite health literate. She stopped and looked at me and said, that is an excellent answer. 
I then told her about this radio show, my book, and speaking events, and we had a nice chat. But I thought that to be a very important question. And again, I didn't do it justice. But how many times prior to an appointment has someone seemed concerned that you had the ability to understand what was going to take place? I think that is huge. When the doctor came in, he said, I hear you're a radio host, to which I handed him my card. And again, that started an entire conversation about his concern for patient safety. He told me stories about his mom and dad and their health care encounters. He told me how he was going out of his way to advocate for a patient with a particularly intricate health situation. And all in all, we had a very human encounter. He apologized for not being able to look at me while typing notes into the computer. And he did something that I really appreciated. He wasn't a great typist, so perhaps he did this to keep his own mind and fingers straight, but whatever the reason, I think it should be protocol for all doctors. He spoke the actual words that he was typing. So instead of my sitting there while he typed away, wondering if he was typing, wow, what a pain in the butt patient she is, now I knew exactly what was being written on my chart. This would have also been an opportunity for me to correct something he was typing in the event he misinterpreted something, and an opportunity to become part of the process, because after all, a doctor's appointment is all about the patient. After he examined my neck as I was there to reevaluate some small nodules on my thyroid, he set me up for an ultrasound and the thyroid blood panel. He walked me to the receptionist to set up those tests and told me he would get back to me with the results, which I could also access at the patient portal, and he handed me a written printout of the office visit summary. He stood there with me and gave me a proper goodbye. Upon leaving his office, I told him, you are awesome. We need more of you. Around the corner was the blood lab, and in no time at all, and without even feeling a pinch, my blood was drawn and the next gal called my name for the ultrasound. She introduced herself, got me comfy in the exam room, and said, oops, I'll be right back. I used the last of the hand sanitizer on the wall with my last patient. She re-entered, installed the new container, cleaned her hands, and we were off. Oh, that made me smile. Upon leaving, she gave me a card with her name on it. We had a short chat about how much she liked her job, and I was gone. I looked at the clock, and it was 11.20. In one hour, I saw the physician, had blood drawn, had an ultrasound, and met a gorgeous white standard poodle, the hospital's waiting room therapy dog. I walked out to the car, amazed and thought, now this is what the patient experience is all about. And guess what? It's not difficult to achieve. We don't need the grand piano. We just need some infection prevention, common sense, and basic human kindness and interaction. When I got home, I entered my password on the website patient portal, and within seconds, I had access to the summary of the visit. The next morning, I received an email that said, you have test results waiting at your patient portal. Again, I went to the private site and found all of the results from my blood tests and ultrasound. I hit the print button and now I have hard copies of my test results. A good experience is clearly not rocket science and I tell it in hopes that those listening who are healthcare providers take note of the simplicity 
of creating a positive patient experience. And for those of us who are patients, know that we shouldn't be shocked when we are treated with dignity and with respect for our time. So again, if you have a doctor or a facility that doesn't care about germy waiting rooms, long waits, secret computer entries, rushed behavior, know that you do have choices. Patients have power. We just need to realize that. Make changes until you find a physician and a place who honor you as a person. And for heaven's sakes, go wash your jeans. Hi there, I'm Gina Murphy-Darling, the voice of Mrs. Green on the airwaves. Mrs. Green's world is a global movement of ideas and actions made up of people who care about their own health and the health of this planet. If you're interested in things like clean water, clean air, clean oceans, or would like to know more about just what it means to live a sustainable life, you will love to hear what our guests from all over the world have to say. Please visit our website at mrsgreensworld.com to learn more and to become a part of our world. No, you've been a good friend. And that's in the thick and thin. And I know it's never gonna end. Cause you've been a good friend. I recently narrated and produced an audiobook for author Joni Dark Shepherd. The book is titled Rio, a love story, how my dog saved my life. Most of you know that I was a caretaker for my mom for nearly a decade and also have been rescued by 13 cats, so Joni's book resonated. Her boundless love and commitment to both her mother and sister as they battled cancer was raw, real, and revealing. As the darkness of these times descended upon her, she discovered and allowed the love of her dogs, especially Rio, to light up her life. Joni Dark Shepherd and the honest portrayal of her journey left me crying, smiling, and feeling happy. And isn't that what a good book is supposed to do? A compassionate and passionate read. Get yourself a copy today. Visit Amazon.com or the website JoanAndRio.com. I guarantee it, you'll love the book, Rio, A Love Story, How My Dog Saved My Life. Visit Joan and Rio. Com. Well, I thank you for allowing me to get those two stories out of my mind and into yours. I just ask that you take heed and when you feel that you need to speak up when something's not right, when something doesn't feel good, when somebody doesn't treat you the way you should be treated, please feel free to do something about it, to speak up and move on, find somebody else. That's all I'm going to say about it today because we've got to go. It's time to head out for another week. Meantime, though, visit the website speakupandstayalive.com. That's where you can find copies of my book, Speak Up and Stay Alive, The Patient Advocate Hospital Survival Guide, Healthcare Acquired Infections, The Troublemakers and How to Avoid Them, and so many other goodies at the website speakupandstayalive.com. So until next week, I hope you have a healthy and a happy week. Free from scary doctors, I am Pat Rulo, and I am the voice for informed choice and patient safety. The information provided in today's broadcast is for informational purposes only and was not intended for use as diagnosis or treatment of a health problem and should not be considered as medical advice. 
If you've missed part of today's show or just want to share the information with friends, you can listen to all of Pat's previous shows at speakupandstayalive.com. Want even more information? Purchase a copy of Pat's book at speakupandstayalive.com. Once again, it's speakupandstayalive.com. Or you can call Pat at 440-725-5462. Until next week, remember, it's okay to ask others to wash their hands. You have to speak up and stay alive.